Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WWE announces two WWE Hall of Famers for the class of 2021. AEW announces two new shows, and I take you through last night's Wednesday Night Wars. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DTT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DTT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at Daily DTT. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was WWE, NXT, and AEW Dynamite, but before we get into that, let's check out our news. Kane and the great Khali to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2021. Announced by The Undertaker to Kane on WWE's The Bump. Kane is going to be inducted into the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame class. Kane is considered one of the greatest big men in the history of the WWE, winning multiple world titles in the process to an undoubted Hall of Fame career. WWE India released a video where Ranjin Singh, or Dave Kapoor, revealed the big news to Kali via video call. Singh had worked with WWE creative for years and years, and even once managed the great Kali as well. Uh, Kali first started working for the WWE in 2006. He was active for most part until late 2014 when his contract expired. Kali would return to India and open up his own wrestling school and promotion, Continental Wrestling Entertainment. He has made a few appearances for the WWE since, uh, last appearing in the Greatest Royal Rumble in April 2018 in the big 50-man match in Saudi Arabia. Uh, congratulations to both Kane and the great Kali, who will be joining Molly Holly and Eric Bischoff. If you've seen yesterday's episode, I didn't mention I did mention Kane, but I didn't want him to get inducted this year, given that I would want him to be inducted with fans being there. I didn't think about the great Kali. That's a really, really good one and definite deserving of a Hall of Famer, especially coming from India uh, way more than deserving the great Kali the one thing I remember about him the most is that he never held the world heavyweight championship the right way he always when he put it up over his head it was always upside down I thought that was hilarious but a lot of people were bothered by it but I thought it was hilarious Uh, Cody Rhodes reveals a huge nightmare family announcement Uh, Cody Rhodes uh, each week on AEW we get to see him all the time and now if you want to see him some more uh, you're in luck because uh, there's a new reality show coming to TNT Cody and Brandy will be starring in their own show. Uh, the show is to be called Roads on, excuse me, Roads to the Top. Uh, I wonder if they'll make that show go head to head with the uh, Miz and Mrs. Uh, and this is pretty much a similar type show to that, where it follows the family of, uh, well, it follows the Nightmare family in uh, Cody Rhodes and uh, Brandy Rhodes, as uh, they are having a baby girl coming soon and all the stuff like that. So uh, they got a, uh, <laughs> they got it approved, and I guess we're gonna see a lot more of Cody Rhodes as if we don't already see him enough on AEW television. Also, AEW announces its first ever non-televised event. On Friday, April 9th at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, AEW will hold its first ever house show. Fans can get tickets to both that week's Dynamite and the house show for just $40. In the grand scheme of things, as life currently stands with COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, putting a house show is a step in the right direction towards normalcy. Uh, AEW doesn't have to do this, but uh, they are doing it, and they are putting on a house show. Uh, They we even promoted it with some big names on that roster as well, uh, with Kenny Omega and different type of um, 
talent uh, that that are marquee names. It's not just a house show just to have it. They do have big names that are promoted on the posters. So uh, we will see how that would look uh, at AEW house show, and hopefully uh, fans are are happy, especially if they're getting two events for the price of forty dollars. That's a uh, pretty impressive there. We're going to get right into last night's Wednesday Night Wars. We're going to start off with WWE NXT. But first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and now feel confident shaving my boys we have an exclusive offer for my listeners 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code bandsided20 at manscaped.com that is bandsided20 all caps at manscaped.com at checkout unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped Going into last night's WWE NXT, uh, the show started off strong with a match of Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez taking on Zoe Starks and Io Shirai. Uh, Starks off to a great start until a stiff clothesline from Gonzalez. Kai enters but fails to keep control, forcing Gonzalez to stay involved. Io Shirai dominates on a hot tag and a moonsault, a springboard. Oh, no, actually, it wasn't a springboard moonsault. It was the classic moonsault that uh, Raquel Gonzalez, excuse me, that um, Io Shirai does uh, almost all the time. She did hit that move onto uh, Gonzalez on the outside. But a one-handed powerbomb allows Gonzalez to pick up the win, pinning Starks. A perfect booking there as you want Gonzalez to get the victory, but you don't want her to pin Shirai, so you have her pin uh, Zoe Starks there. Yeah, perfect move there. Uh, Gonzalez attacks Shirai after the match, dumping her onto the announce table. And the announce table did not budge. That table stood firm, and Shirai's back almost crippled over the... Uh, the, the awning or the, the shield there on the front where it says NXT. Uh, this was a fun, fun, fun match to start the show. A good women's tag team match to start the show for NXT. And uh, really developing that division with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Even though I know, you know, Zoe's and Stark, you know, Starks and, and Shirai, uh, they shouldn't have won this match. And they didn't. You know, the, you, I say it all the time. The established tag team should be two singles competitors. And they did a good job here. In our next match, Bronson Reed versus L.A. Knight, or Eli Drake, or whatever you want to call him, but let's call him by L.A. Knight because that's the name he's going by now in NXT. Bronson Reed using his size to his benefit, but Knight finds himself in control for the majority of the early part of the match. Reed going for the tsunami, but is hung up on the top rope. Knight can't take advantage, however, as he is pushed away down to the mat. Reed connects with Tsunami and picks up the win. Uh, once again, another fun match to put these two back-to-back here. Uh, two great matches in a row. I'm surprised this was the, the second match on the card. Uh, they feel like they may have been able to put this at the top of the hour uh, if need be. But uh, either way... Fun match, uh, LA Knight picking up a loss here, but uh, let's see how he acts in defeat, obviously in a heelish way. It should be fun to see the story develop with Bronson Reed and LA Knight, especially as they move forward uh, into uh, NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. Karrion Cross with, with Scarlet take on Oni Larkin. Uh, must be a terrible feeling to lose a title because of injury, especially when you're the the one that's not injured and you're the tag team partner in Oni Larkin's case. Uh, sad, sad case for him. Uh, obviously, they were really, really uh, strong parts in this NXT tag team division as the, the 
former champions, and you would like to see them continue uh, future down the line. But now with uh, Danny Birch's injury, not a good place to be if you're Orny Larkin. And yes, you know, losing his championship uh, or tag team titles that he didn't really lose at all, given the fact it was just due to injury. Larkin off to a rage field start. Uh, cross uh, ends that uh, rage field start with a nice chop, uh, chopping him down to take control of the match. Cross picks up a strong win, pushing uh, through the pain of uh, Larkin's chops. Uh, the pin came after a forearm strike to the back of Lorkin's head. Post-match promo by Cross uh, says Baylor lit a fuse inside of him and inside of Karrion Cross. Uh, Finn Balor enters, uh, says that he took Cross's best shot and still standing, believes Cross is fighting with emotion and will come out on top because of it, meaning that uh, Karrion Cross will get too emotional, allowing Finn Balor to win. Uh, the two stood off there to end that segment. In our next match, we get a fantastic, fantastic showing from Walter taking on Drake Maverick. Uh, Walter was with Imperium in this one. Walter wins in a 30-second squash match. I would have liked to have seen a few chops or two, but um, the message was sent. Walter is just a beast. And as soon as I saw this match pop up so with them promoting it throughout the show, uh, Walter is going to be taking on Drake Maverick. I was like, oh boy, Drake Maverick better be ready for some bumps. And uh, he did take a few here. The uh, match literally lasted 30 seconds. Walter did three moves. I w I, like I said, I would have liked to see one good chop across the chest, a nice strong one uh, to really well down on Drake Maverick. Uh, nothing against Maverick. I think he's, he's the perfect guy to take those bumps given he's such a small guy. But good 30-seconder right there from Walter, really getting his message across uh, what he means here in NXT. Tommaso Ciampa enters, says he misspoke last week, and is intrigued not in Walter, but is intrigued in the NXT UK title. He offers the challenge. Ciampa chops at Walter. Imperium restrains Ciampa for a chop of Walter's own, which was really, really strong, of course, because Walter does that the best. Walter accepts the challenge. Uh, Walter still has to face Rampage Brown at NXT UK uh, Prelude, but we know how that ending is going to look now. Uh, well, odds are we do know what that ending is going to look now. Uh, they really, really booked this timing weird between NXT UK Prelude and with NXT uh, TakeOver Stand and Deliver as they're one day from each other, uh, or technically on the same day. They're both on that same Thursday, April 8th, as uh, these two... Uh, shows go head-to-head -head with one another. I don't know if they're going head-to-head -head at the same time, but one's probably going to be on a three, one's going to probably be on an eight on Peacock, both on Peacock, by the way. So I'm going to have to figure that out, uh, what NXT is going to do, what NXT UK is going to do. A little bit odd, but we'll see moving forward. No, I don't think they were ex expecting a two-night event, uh, NXT UK. Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah take on Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. Uh, Mercedes Martinez was bought by the Rob Stone brand to be a part of this match. Uh, Stone stressed ringside as Martinez was struggling early on. Stone saying that he spent all his money on Mercedes Martinez. Uh, Martinez neutralized, uh, being thrown to the outside. Moon connects with the Eclipse for Blackheart and Moon to retain the NXT Women Tag Team Championships. A uh, quick match, but nothing too, too crazy there. There's a fun match. Jordan Devlin versus Kushida. Back and forth early on with Kushida taking the early grappling advantage. 
Devlin with a great moonsault to the outside. This one was the springboard moonsault I was talking about earlier. This was a great spot from Devlin, a springboard to the outside. Uh, with Devlin in control, Legato del Fantasma enters and drags Devlin out of the ring with the ref not looking. Devlin re-enters and rolls up Kushida for the win. Uh, Kushida attacks Legato del Fantasma after the match. Uh, Santos Escobar and Jordan Devlin stand face-to-face -face in the ring. And then the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, enters, walks down to the ring, grabs a ladder, and slides it into the ring. A fantastic show, not tell. Speaking volumes, calling back to WrestleMania 10 with uh, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon unifying the Intercontinental Championship. And yes, it will be a ladder match at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And that's where that callback comes from, uh, given how uh, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon unify the titles at WrestleMania. They will do it here. Santos Escobar and Jordan Devlin at NEC TakeOver, Send Deliver. I'm so, so excited. Uh, these two in a ladder match. Uh, I didn't think it could get any better between these two because we've been waiting for these two to have a match one-on-one -on -one for such a long time ever since the belts got split up and an interim champion was made turning into the real champion. So... Uh, we need to find out who this real champion is and no better way to do it in a ladder match, uh, especially with two guys that we all know can can uh, hold their own in that. So very, very excited, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the Devlin Kushida match was the main event for NXT, and but the main segment or the ending segment of the show was Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly face-to-face -face with William Regal, giving them a consequence or trying to put the situation to bed. Uh, William Regal offers an unsanctioned match for the two at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. That will be the co-main event. Cole believes that he has had a revelation and wants to not sit on the sidelines after the Undisputed Era says without himself, uh, Cole and O'Reilly will be uh, nothing, and it is nothing now that Cole is no longer with uh, the Undisputed Era, and Undisputed Era just doesn't exist anymore. O'Reilly believes that he's become a better person with a better heart. That that was pretty much the uh, point of Kyle O'Reilly's promo there. Uh, both sign a great visual, the two running at each other uh, just to be held back at with the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver sign in uh, behind them. So as they were barking at each other, the, the logo was right there behind them. So I thought that was very, very nice. And I thought this was a solid show for NXT. Maybe not one of the best shows that they've had. We had they've had some pretty good shows in a row. And this one might be at the, the bottom end of that. But still a solid show at that. Uh, I will give my final grade for this. But I will give that at the end of this podcast after... AEW after I go through that as we will pit them head to head against each other because of course this is the Wednesday Night Wars and uh, we question how much longer we will see the Wednesday Night Wars going forward. Speaking of uh, AEW we're going to be talking about that after the break so stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 25th, 2002, WWE held its first ever draft. WWF named it a brand extension draft, although it was essentially a roster split dividing the WWF supersized roster to separate shows. Vince McMahon representing SmackDown and Ric Flair representing Raw. They alternated draft picks. Uh, the first three picks for SmackDown were The Rock, Kurt Angle, and Chris Benoit. And the first three picks for Raw were The Undertaker, the NWO, including Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and X-Pac. So that was a pretty much a smart second pick, if you will, given that they got so much talent in return. And Kane, and that was their third pick. 
Uh, we still see uh, a brand split today, even though it's not as set in stone and as firm as the brand split was back in the day. From what I remember when I was a kid, it was a shock and awe moment when someone would appear on another show. I remember when I was younger. But now, if someone appears on another show, they, they, they give us a, a bunch of rules and stipulations. How, like, oh, they're allowed to do this because of the quarterly, whatever. What I, even, I don't even remember what they call it anymore. But, like, a quarterly thing, you get to come over every once so and whatever to go face the other mid card champion on the other show or whatever. It's usually how it goes. We see AJ Styles hop over some time to time, and uh, we see Flair hop over from time to time because, it, you know, these big names, they bring, hopefully, for the WWE, big ratings when they hop over from one show to another just for a short amount of time. But we see it from time to time, and I do enjoy the idea of having a, such a big roster cut in half so and at least there's some competition between the shows like that's how it was back in the day currently i don't really see that now and i don't believe that that's the type of motive in the locker room at least not then because they had to make their own competition then because there wasn't any now wwe has competition from the rest of the world at this point with AEW and with new japan i wouldn't really say impact at the moment but uh they, there's competition there that they have to worry about themselves you know there's something that uh really makes you scratch your head uh, especially hopefully that they realize the competition. I know NXT does, but I don't think Raw and SmackDown do either. Looking at last night's AEW Dynamite, uh, started off the show strong with Kenny Omega, the AEW champion, uh, taking on Matt Seidel. Uh, this was not for the AEW championship. This was just a match that was made after a confrontation at AEW Dark. Uh, back and forth early on, forcing Omega out of the ring to gather himself. Kenny Omega being called explosive on commentary throughout most of the match. I thought that was very, very ironic. They said explosive so much. It honestly makes me type, uh, think that that uh, <laughs> maybe they're doing that on purpose, trying to make up for the, the, the dud of the explosion at AEW Revolution. A crazy a turnbuckle spot with both lucky that neither got injured in that one. Uh, it seemed control for the most part. Seidel seemed like he had everything under control. Same thing with Omega. But one f small move there and a miss of a, of a footing spot there. It looked like both guys could definitely have taken a nasty spill off of the top turnbuckle. But they seemed to be fine. A few near falls back and forth. One near fall looked like it was a three in favor of Seidel. If I'm being honest with you. It looked like one, two. And if you counted three... Uh, it would have been a pinfall, but uh, the, obviously the ref swiping his hand underneath, so uh, it wouldn't be a three count. One wing angel for the win, but Excalibur does mention someone has kicked out of the one wing angel. I uh, didn't say who the exact someone was, but that is Kota Ibushi. So uh, we all know that one person kicked out of the one wing angel. It's just that it hasn't been recognized completely, at least not on impact. It hasn't been recognized, especially not by Don Callis, saying that no one has kicked that ever out of the one-wing angel. And with Don Callis even on commentary for this match, I was a little surprised for Excalibur to straight up say that someone has kicked out of it, but he did re rebuttal after in saying that no one in AEW has kicked out of it. So uh, he did uh, try to make up for it, I guess, in that sense, saying that no, no one in recent history has kicked out of it, but saying that someone has does take a little bit away from the move and hey if anyone's going to kick out of it it's going to be Ibushi you know one of the top guys in Japan someone's going to have to kick out of it at least then and the idea of making this room move so protected that only one person in the whole world has kicked out of it uh, for the next person to possibly Rich Swan 
kind of irks me because Rich Swan and Ibushi, the, ah, I wouldn't call them on the same level. I don't think you would either. So, uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Cesar Bononi in uh, the next match. You forget how big Bononi is. Uh, he really has some size to him. But Page with an impressive victory with the Buckshot Lariat. Not really much to talk about there. Britt Baker, she cuts a promo. I forgot Thunder Rosa actually won the match last week. As of what I remember most from it, and I think what a lot of people remember most from it, even in Baker in her promo, she was saying it herself, that uh, you, even though she lost the match, what is so memorable about that match that those two had was the fact that she was bleeding so much, being profuse. She had 87 tacks in her back that had to be pulled out. And she, even though in, in losing, almost came out on top, given that I personally, I forgot that Rosa won the match. All I remember from that match was how how much blood Baker was bleeding from her forehead. It was just, oh, true, a true crimson mask, if you will. But uh, she even said herself that it took uh, Mick Foley over 20 years to be a hardcore legend. But in one night, she became one herself. Uh, she says that AEW comes second to the best three letters in professional wrestling, the DMD. And uh, if you think about three letters in professional wrestling, I think the RKO might have DMD beat. But I digress. Good promo there by Baker. And maybe remember that Rosa actually won the match. And it wasn't uh, Britt Baker herself or for whatever reason, that's what I had it in my head. It's just she was so impressive in that match that, that that's why I took out the most from it. And maybe that's a great thing for Britt Baker that even in defeat, she was the, the main attraction there. In our next match, the Pinnacle take on Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. Uh, Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin are, were off to a very, very hot start in this match. Also, I forgot to mention a great uh, entrance for the Pinnacle. I love their, their entrance video coming off of the plane. And uh, and the standing out in front of the private jet, really really nice. Uh, Pinnacle gather to regroup ringside as things don't go their way early on. Uh, the match ends quickly after returning from commercial break as Spears connects with a C4. Uh, Wardlow attacks Brian Pillman Jr. after the match and in a post-match interview with Pinnacle, they say that Pinnacle is a family. MJF calls Jericho fat once again and calls out Jericho even though they know that they are injured after. Uh, Pinnacle's brutal attack against the Inner Circle. I'm excited to see where this goes. Obviously, it's going to go to an Inner Circle versus Pinnacle type of uh, rivalry, uh, which I'm fine with seeing. Probably going to blow off by the summer. Same thing like how they did uh, with uh, the Elite versus the uh, Inner Circle. We can see the similar type of thing there, and I'm completely fine with that. Uh, I, I want to see uh, the Pinnacle hold some gold at some point, whether that comes in the summer as well. We'll see with that. They even mentioned on commentary in this one that FTR is uh, they they do have a rematch clause against the Young Bucks, so uh, they do have another chance at the AEW Tag Team Titles. Uh, we see with Sean Spears what he's able to do, maybe possibly get the TNT Championship and then MJF. I doubt that he's going to get close to Kenny Omega in the AEW Championship. At least uh, we probably won't see that for quite some time, given what Kenny Omega is trying to do with the AEW Championship and in the future the impact world championship and the triple a mega championship so he has all these things to juggle uh we'll see what happens with kenny omega i think right now the aw championship is sort of off limits for anyone to touch given uh the idea that's are flowing around when the possibilities that can happen so uh, a lot to think about there but uh at least uh, at least the tag team titles on ftr would be nice to see QT Marshall, he cuts a promo and it will, in an interview segment with uh, 
Tony Schiavone says he's frustrated as uh, the promo jumps around from thought to thought. Kuti Marshall cuts a, a pretty tough promo there, They're tough in a bad way. He's just uh, he's just jumping around from thought to thought in the beginning. Uh, angry that he is stuck under the thumb of Cody Rhodes and wants out of Cody Rhodes' shadow, he challenges Rhodes to a match, and Rhodes surprisingly appears in a sling. Uh, we all know his shoulder has been bothering him ever since uh, Face of the Revolution. Cody accepts the match with the Anderson as a special guest referee. Says the match will be an exhibition, so I'm assuming that this won't go on anybody's record. But saying that it's an exhibition makes me think that QT Marshall might come out on top in this one as Cody Rhodes won't receive the loss here if it's an exhibition. If you get where I'm going at here, it, with, with it being an exhibition match, there's nothing for Cody Rhodes to lose in this situation uh, except he's, it's okay for him to lose because it's not going on his record. And it also makes QT Marshall look a lot better. You can roll in that direction. I think they'll be perfectly fine with that. In our next match, the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid versus the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. Uh, evenly matched early on, trading dives and springboards to the outside. Chaos ensues with the Young Bucks in control. Cutler can't secure the pin. Uh, more chaos as Laredo Kid uh, picks up the win with a Spanish fly. Kenny Omega enters, of all people, and attacks Laredo Kid. Uh, he also uh, talks to uh, the through the microphone and talks to uh, the Young Bucks as uh, the Young Bucks come in and uh, try to help in this situation. Uh, Kenny Omega says that he chose to stay with the Young Bucks to make AEW the best wrestling promotion on the planet. And he also says that the Young Bucks never chose to stay with him. The Young Bucks turn their back on Omega as Omega holds up the Bullet Club symbol. And the Lucha Bros attack Omega after the segment ends. Uh, I thought that was fine there. Not, nothing really too much really to gather except the fact that the Young Bucks once again walking away from that Bullet Club symbol. And the Omega and the Young Bucks are Omega saying, oh, they're officially done you know, they're no longer friends, and you know, I, I was this a, a bullet club walkout moment? Yeah, possibly, but you know, we're still bringing up things that are from six years ago, which is fine. People enjoy that long term stuff, it, it just you had to be a part of it six years ago for a lot of people to understand. And for AEW, is not I wouldn't say for the casual fan, if you will, that's for the diehard fan, it's for the fan that's been following for a very, very long time. That's what makes a big difference between WWE and AEW is that. Uh, a lot of these stories, yes, you can understand off the jump and you can relate to some of these characters, but some of these stories are so intrinsic into the world of professional wrestling that you just kind of had to be with it from the beginning or at least be in the know to understand because if a random person is just clicking on to, uh, to AEW, they might be a little bit lost watching that Kenny Omega segment. Our next match, Nyla Rose versus Tay Conti. Uh, we get our classic 9.20 p.m. Eastern AEW Dynamite women's match because it's always on at 9.20. I think this one was on at 9.24 when the bell rang. Uh, Dark Order enters after Conti out of respect. Uh, Conti uses team with Anna Jay and now with Anna Jay sidelined with injury for quite some time, I, I believe. And I talked about it on this podcast. She, she's going to be out for a while. But uh, Dark Order out of respect. Uh, did enter with uh, Tay Conti. Uh, Conti literally throwing Rose around the ring, something that is not easy to do to say the least, and uh, literally tossing around the, the ring with judo throws and flips and stuff like that. It was really, really nice. Great stuff. And I'm also loving the crazy look in the eyes of Conti as she's running around the ring, her eyes bolting out of her head as she's trying to land these knee strikes onto Nyla Rose. A DD tie 
connects and Ty Conti picks up arguably the best win of her career. A very, very, very impressive match. Rose attacks Conti after the match. Sheeta enters and saves, but Bunny enters and attacks Sheeta and Conti. Bunny was with Matt Hardy, as uh, Matt Hardy is also associated with the Butcher and the Blade. So all, everything tying up there into a nice little bow. And uh, even makes sense as well, uh, given the fact that uh, if, if the Dark Order is involved in this situation, Ty Conti is, I wouldn't say a part of the Dark Order, but there's a connection ship there. So Matt Hardy once again vowing a few weeks back to destroy all the members of the Dark Order and doing it there in a, in a halfway sense. But we do get, get a tag team match next week with Shida and Conti taking on Rose and Bunny. In our main event match, John Silver versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Darby Allen coming into this one as the TNT Champion. Uh, he made this open challenge for anyone in the Dark Order to step up uh, and try to reclaim the TNT Championship. Uh, this comes after the passing of Brody Lee in late 2020 and uh, all the fallout in late, in, excuse me, in early 2021. Uh, Allen strong early on, controlling the head. Of Silver, Allen sent outside by Silver on a great collision. A really, really nice spot there as uh, Silver held his own. Silver sent over the barricade but able to continue the match. Allen dives to the outside but collides with Allen Angels in an outside moment that a Sting made his entrance as well to make sure that the match stays fair and just because, you know, that's what Sting does. Uh, back and forth. And a ton of near falls throughout. Coffin drop onto the Dark Order in the outside by Darby Allen. Allen reverses into a code red uh, back in the ring with John Silver and retains the TNT Championship. Matt Hardy enters in the, along with his organization and attacks a huge brawl to end the show as the show fades to black. Uh, I'm happy that Darby Allen picked up the victory, but uh, a lot of confusion towards the end, especially with the whole brawling being uh, ensued. Uh, and Dark Order. Matt Hardy's group or family or organization, whatever you want to call them. Uh, once again, more factions, more factions, more factions. You know, AFW, all faction wrestling. It, that's really what it looks like to me. And I know there's a lot of it, and some people enjoy it, some people don't. I might be on the side of the don't, even though I am excited for the pinnacle stuff. For final grades, putting up head to head NXT and AEW. I'm going to give NXT the edge here this week. AEW did put on a pretty good show as well. The main event was really strong, except the big ending there. Ty Conti was great. Uh, the Kenny Omega match was good. I, I don't want to say I'm getting sick of Omega. It's just, it it I feel like it's the same act every week. There's nothing really new I'm seeing from him. And the new that I felt like I was going to see from AEW in the Kenny Omega story was going to come at the Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch. I'm never going to deny his talent in the ring. He's one of the greatest in-ring performers of all time. Uh, he's more deserving of that accolade than anybody else. He, from what he's able to do in the ring and the matches and the stories that he's able to tell between the bells, and a very important point there to make, between the bells for Kenny Omega... Uh, it, it's almost unmatched on what he's able to do uh, it, between the bells, but everything outside of that, from promo work to even the skit work that he was doing with uh, Callis, is, is, is from mediocre to bad. And uh, that's the one thing that gets me with, with Omega. 
But uh, throughout, AEW did put on a decent show, but I think NXT was just better, especially with the appearance of Shawn Michaels and then turning that uh, the match for the unification into a ladder match and just the show-not-tell there just by throwing the ladder into the ring. I thought it was absolutely perfect. Uh, Drake Maverick versus Walter was fantastic as well, even though it was a 30-second match. You'd love to see Walter, especially in such a dominant force. And uh, the, the, to open the show, the two matches that really got me, the Dakota Kai and uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus Starks and Shirai, that was a great way to start the show. And Bronson Reed versus LA Knight, great to see LA Knight in action, especially versus Bronson Reed. Uh, this one's close here. I think if I'm going grades, I'm probably going with a, a B and a B minus or two B minuses. I, I think I'm more happy with that. Two B minuses for, for both shows, NXT and AEW, but NXT... Is a little bit of a better B minus. B minus going closer to a B, and AW is a B minus going closer to a C plus on this one. Nothing against AW. It's just uh, that's the way I saw this show, and uh, I'm giving NXT the victory this week for the Wednesday Night Wars that we might not be talking about for that much more often, given the fact that the, all the rumors in the world circulate, even though there has been no word official coming from WWE if they're moving NXT to Tuesday nights, but according to all the the TV guides and all the stuff like that. People uh, are, have been speculating, 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 saying that NXT most likely is moving to Tuesday nights, thus ending, I believe, a battle, but not the war, not even close, as it is WWE versus the world at the moment. Looking at our next episode, we're going to be talking about some NXT UK. Uh, I think, once again, it's a dumb idea to have WWE uh, have NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver on Peacock and NXT UK Prelude on the same day, especially when the card has Walter on both shows. As I mentioned, a Stand and Deliver, he's going to be on night one, which is Wednesday on the actual NXT on USA. And then NXT UK Prelude is going to have Walter once again uh, defending his NXT UK championship against Rampage Brown at uh, NXT Prelude. So does that automatically tell us that that Walter is going to uh, retain against Tommaso Ciampa. I would assume he's going to retain against Tommaso Ciampa no matter what, but does that spoil it a little bit? Yeah, possibly. Possibly it does spoil it. But uh, either way, I think they might need to rework that or rethink when NXT UK prelude is going to be because NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver kind of supersedes that given it's the first ever two-night event in uh, NXT TakeOver history. That's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE at 20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code FANSIDE at 20. All caps there at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.